0: Today is Thursday, November the 30th, 2023, and this is a Daily Inc. update. Both Democrats and Republicans in Congress are displaying a rare spirit of bipartisanship when it comes to a government surveillance program that could be placed within the language of the National Defense Authorization Act. Fifty-four House members from both parties have signed onto a letter that was sent to the Senate and House leadership of both parties, warning them to not attach the reauthorization of Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, known as FISA. That section allows intelligence agencies to collect communications on targeted foreigners, but has already spilled over into abuse and the targeting of Americans, which is all evidenced by the surveillance conducted on Donald Trump through the now-debunked allegations of Russian collusion. Those opposed to Section 702 being part of the NDAA want it to be pulled out as a standalone bill so that members of Congress can debate it, amend it, and reform it on the House floor. These Republicans and Democrats believe it's an insult to Americans who are now aware of the abuses of Section 702 by the intelligence agencies to see it passed in a blanket vote on defense budgeting. A perfect example of the extent of government surveillance and infringement is currently on display through the documents related to the special counsel, Jack Smith, and his case against Donald Trump regarding the 2020 presidential election. Documents in this case show that Smith ordered that social media platform X, also known as Twitter, hand over information of all platform users who may have liked or retweeted a post from Donald Trump following the 2020 election. So let me say that again. Smith wanted all the account information on anyone who may have liked or retweeted a post made by Trump following the 2020 election, and Smith then ordered Twitter administrators to sign a nondisclosure form so that Trump would not know of the level of this search. Smith also sought to have all data surrounding Trump's personal account to be handed over as well, including any direct messages. Twitter at first resisted the demands of Smith, but then ultimately relented and were subsequently fined $350,000 by Smith for not meeting his demands within the deadline that he gave them. Smith's heavy-handed demands were revealed when media organizations filed to obtain these court documents. When it comes to Trump and the case against him in New York City, coming from State Attorney General Letitia James, more Deutsche Bank executives have testified that they based their loan approval for the Trump corporation on, On their own evaluation of Trump's net worth, attorneys for Trump once again sought to have that case resolved immediately by the judge and dismissed since the bank executives were clearly not victims of any crime or defrauded in any way. Trump's attorney, Christopher Keiss, said the Deutsche Bank testimony so far shows that the bank did its own due diligence when loaning to Trump. Judge Arthur Engeron stated that the fact that the lenders were happy with the situation does not mean that a statute wasn't violated and therefore refused to dismiss the case. A federal judge has ordered the FBI to hand over information related to the death of Seth Rich back in 2016. Rich was working for the Democratic National Committee in Washington, D.C., and he died as a result of a supposed robbery in which none of the valuables on him were taken, not his wallet, his cell phone, or his watch. But he was, however, shot in the process. The FBI called it a botched robbery. Rich's death occurred after the Podesta emails had been published by WikiLeaks in the summer of 2016. Attorney Ty Clevenger has been in a legal battle to find out more about Seth Rich as the potential leaker of those Podesta emails and has been seeking the documents from the FBI for years now. The FBI, in turn, has been seeking to cover up information about Seth Rich for the next 60 years and made that request in a courtroom back in 2022. However, this month, a federal judge decided that now is a better time to reveal all of that evidence and ruled that the evidence surrounding Rich's death must be turned over to Clevenger within 14 days this includes rich's personal laptop his work laptop dvds and thumb drives. these natural story updates have been brought to you by open inc a website that is a repository of documents for those who like deep digging critical thinking and true journalism where the facts speak for themselves up next a preview of what is coming and what is available on the open inc website A January 6th defendant is now suing Colorado prosecutors who used a video of him in front of the Capitol building on January 6th. That video was used in an effort to falsely accuse Trump of inciting violence on that day. The prosecutors were involved in the case brought by Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in an effort to try and keep Donald Trump's name off of the 2024 primary ballot. That case was actually struck down by the judge, but is currently in appeal. Trennis Evans is now suing the prosecutors in that case for $7.2 million in defamation for their timeline presentation within the court of what Evans said on a bullhorn to the crowds. My kids didn't have the courage to do what should
1: have been done. Well or inaccurate ones, which they were asked to previously certify. The U.S. demands the
0: truth. Evans was revealing a tweet that had been posted by Donald Trump regarding Mike Pence failing to challenge the 2020 electoral votes within the U.S. Senate. Evans was on the bullhorn and seen in that video making statements at 4.30 p.m., at the Capitol building. The prosecutors sought to connect the violence between Capitol Police and protesters with the timing of Donald Trump's tweet, and Evans says that they did so by presenting a falsified timeline in that Colorado courtroom. Evans says his comments were made two and a half hours later than what prosecutors presented to the judge in this case. That's why he's now suing those prosecutors for defamation. There's even more coming out about January 6th. The latest is coming from Louisiana Congressman Clay Higgins, and it's getting some reaction on social media. Now, remember that just a few weeks ago, Higgins recently brought up the issue of undercover FBI agents infiltrating the January 6th crowds, as well as the concept of ghost buses. He did that during an exchange with FBI Director Christopher Wray at a House committee hearing. We
1: sit here again a year later, we the people still do not have a definitive answer from you or anyone else in the Biden administration regarding the FBI presence and participation in the months leading up to the November election and in the weeks and days prior to January 6th and on January 6th here in D.C. We can't get a straight answer, although we have a tremendous amount of evidence harvested and reviewed over the course of the last year, which you will see. In September, Stephen D'Artano, formerly in charge of the FBI's field office in Washington, D.C., testified to the House Judiciary Committee that he was aware the FBI informants would attend the Stop the Steel rally thrown on January 6th. You confirmed that the FBI had confidential human sources at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th here in D.C., sir? Congressman, as we've discussed before, I'm not going to get into where we have or have not used confidential human sources. But what okay, I can we'll tell move you, on. you asked for a definitive answer. We'll move answer. on. It's my time. You said no, you're not going to answer. That's cool. We're watching. Mr. Chairman, may your, I answer your, the question? Your the moment, your moment will come. This is my time. Earlier this year, an FBI informant, who is reported to have, quote, his quote, under oath, marched to the U.S. Capitol with fellow Proud Boys members on January the 6th, close quote. He said he was communicating with his FBI handler while people were entering the U.S. Capitol. Can you confirm that the FBI had that sort of engagement with your own agents embedded within to the crowd on January 6th? If you are asking whether the violence at the Capitol on January 6th was part of some operation orchestrated by FBI sources and or agents, the answer is emphatically no. You're saying no? No. You're saying no? Not violence orchestrated by FBI sources or agents. Are you familiar with, with, you know what a ghost vehicle is? Director, your director of the FBI certainly should. You know what a ghost bus is? A ghost bus? Ghost bus. I'm not sure I've used that term before. Okay. Well, it's pretty common in, in law enforcement. It's a vehicle that's, that's used for secret purposes. It's painted over. These two buses in the middle here, they were the first to arrive at Union Station on January 6th. 500 I have all this evidence. I'm showing you a tip of this iceberg. Mr. Chairman. These two buses Mr. are Chairman. painted completely white. These buses are nefarious in nature and were filled with FBI informants dressed as Trump supporters you, and you deployed you, onto our Capitol on January 6th. You now, made, your you day major, is coming, Mr. Point.
0: Higgins alluded to the fact that he's been collecting evidence on this whole issue for a year now and that there will be a time when all of this comes out in the open. This past Wednesday night, Higgins spoke to Newsmax and revealed even more of what he seems to have collected by way of evidence.
1: The FBI was, was not only involved in the... actions on January 6th from within. They had uh, I suspect uh, over 200 Asians embedded within the crowd, including Asians or as they would call human assets uh, inside the Capitol dressed as Trump supporters before the doors were opened. Um, Beyond that, the FBI had embedded themselves and infiltrated uh, online chat groups and and websites and social media accounts across the country with any group that was discussing uh, objections to COVID oppression. And the FBI, you know, effectively infiltrated those groups. And when you track the, the text threads and the communications within those groups and find the origins of suggestions of potential violence or or an active occupation of the Capitol on January 6th, you'll, you'll find that those, those messages were led by members of the groups that ended up to be the FBI agents that had infiltrated the group. So the FBI's involvement was deep, not just on J6, but on the days and weeks and months prior.
0: We'll keep tabs on what's coming from Clay Higgins and any other person related to January 6th. Thanks for listening to this Daily Inc. update.